Hey, welcome to Oasis Singles. My name is Pastor Dave, and I'm so excited you're here. By the way, this site is not just about Christian dating service reviews and so forth, but it's also about life advice, all things Christian single. We have articles, we have interactive ways that you can get in touch with each other, and we also have podcasts that are all about the Christian life. I hope you enjoy our site, and I hope you enjoy the podcast you're about to listen to right now. God bless. a freshman in college, I went to a freshman orientation event, and I was introduced to who I thought was the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. Her name was Lori, and not only was she beautiful, but she was intelligent, and she was so sweet that I immediately had a crush on her, and I immediately thought about asking her out on a date. But I did not have the courage to do it. I was, I was too chicken. I was too afraid to do it. So uh, a, a little bit of time went by, and I, went, I was at another event, and Lori was at that event, and she sang. And when she sang, it just made up my mind. I was like, I need to ask her out. And so I went home. I asked my roommate about it, about it and he said, he said, Guy, you've got to ask her out. The worst thing that could happen to you is that she would say no. So uh, I worked and worked on specifically what I was going to say to ask her out. And I waited for just the right time, and I approached her and gave her my, my specifically and well-thought-out wording, asking her out to dinner that weekend. And this, this sweet, beautiful, intelligent girl said no. She said no. And so, uh, you know, I can handle rejection. I'm a, I'm a big guy, so I took it like a man and did my best to completely avoid her for the next three years of college. And I did. And, you know, over the next three years, I dated a lot of women. Well, okay, it was a couple of women. All right? It was one woman. Okay, I bought a cat. I bought a cat, and over the next three years, me and my cat, Sammy Bo Boo Bear, we made it through college just fine. But uh, after three years, it just so happened that I went to another event, uh, a beach weekend that Lori happened to be present at. And at that beach weekend, we sort of saw each other again for the first time, and we began to talk, and then we began to hang out. And then I, I gradually worked up the, enough courage again to ask her out a second time. And this time, she said yes. And that was eight years ago. And uh, for those of you who know me, last month, Lori and I celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary. And so that was, that was an exciting time for us. But during that time, here's a question that I've pondered. Is Lori my soulmate? Is Lori my soulmate? Now, we're married right now, so of course, you know, we are, she is the woman that, that God meant for me to be with. And I know that, and we're married but here's the question. Was she the only possible woman that God could have had for me? Were there no other possibilities for my soulmate? You might be surprised, but one of the questions I am most often asked as a pastor is this. Do I have a soulmate? Does God have one special person out there just for me? And if so, how do I find him or her? It's a big question. And this movie, The Notebook, is a story about two supposed soulmates who were separated from each other for the majority of their lives. But they find each other at the end of their life again. And they were meant for each other, and there was something missing because the other person wasn't there. 
You know, having a soulmate seems to be an attractive proposition for many people. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you and ask them, are you my soulmate? Who knows? You might be able to find one. Go ahead and turn. All right. Hey, who knows? Maybe you just found your soulmate. I don't know. But I was looking, I was looking online this week, and there are two new books out by Christian authors that address just this subject. One is entitled, Finding Mr. Right and How to Know When You Have. The other is titled, Avoiding Mr. Wrong and What to Do If You Didn't. And so, if you... Yeah, you may need one or the other of these. I don't know. But if you're interested in any of the, either of those books, in This Week at the Journey, I will have the link to them, the Amazon link to them, in This Week at the Journey under Next Steps, if you want to follow up uh, and check out those books yourself. But as big a question as it is, it's interesting to note that nowhere in the Bible does it say that there's a person out there who is your other half. And when you find that person, and only that person, you will become complete and live happily ever after. Now we need to be straightforward with each other tonight, because there's a lot of confusion around this issue of soulmates. I do not believe in the concept of soulmates. I don't believe that there is just one Mr. or Mrs. Wright out there for you, and that if you don't find them, or you somehow blow it, then your life won't be complete or won't be as good as it could be. I want you to imagine God's will for your life like a big river, all right? God's will for your life is like a big river. And if you want to be following God's will, all you have to do is be in that river. And and to be in God's will, I mean loving other people, loving God, doing your best to follow God's will. Now, you can get out of the river and be out, out of God's will, but once you're in the river, you have a lot of options. You can be on the left side, you can be on the right side, you can be in the middle. And sure, the scenery is different depending on which part of the river you decide to go on. One side might be faster, one may have more rocks. But if you're in God's will, that opens up the possibility that you have different options for your life. As Pastor Nelson talked about in our Work Matters series, maybe God, maybe you had, God allowed you to have choices in which career you would be in. Maybe there wasn't just one career, but you could have done several different things. Maybe there are several different cities that you could have chosen to live in. And perhaps, maybe, there's even more than one option for who you could date or marry. Maybe there's more than one option for your soulmate. Now, that doesn't count once you are married. When you're married, that person is your soulmate. Marriage, is, there's something spiritual and special about marriage, something mysterious about when a man and a woman uh, become married under God. The Bible says that two people become one person. Two people become one. And that's a very spiritual act. And that person becomes your soulmate. But if before you're married, there are other possib- there are possibilities, and it's not just one person, if there's, if there's no one soulmate, it brings two realities to your dating life. One, you do not have to fret over every breakup or missed opportunity because you think you blew it with that one person you were supposed to be with. There are other possibilities out there, other fish in the sea. Don't think your life is over because the person you thought would be your soulmate has gone on. But the second reality is this, and this is a hard one, and it is that you also have to consider the possibility that there may be no one out there for you. Nowhere in the Bible does God promise you a spouse. 
In fact, the Apostle Paul was single his entire life. He wrote in 1 Corinthians that if possible, it is preferable to remain single your entire life so that you can serve God all the more without the distractions or responsibilities of marriage or of a family. But he did say that if you're burning with lust and desire and you cannot control yourself, then to go ahead and get married. So take a moment, take a moment, look around and see if you can identify some of the married people in the, in the audience today because those are the ones who couldn't control their lust and desire and had to get married. Wait a second, I'm married. Now that, that's not right. I'm, j- I'm just kidding. That is not the main reason for getting married. And next, next week we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to look at the Stepford Wives and we're going to talk about discovering a marriage that lasts and we'll talk about God's plan for a marriage at that time. But know this, God has not necessarily made plans for you to be married. Now, is it okay for you to search for that special someone? Well, sure. Is it okay to hope for Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Of course. Is it okay to be on the lookout for the person that God might have for you? Yes. And what better place to look for that person than in church? As long as you're not stalking someone in church, then it's okay. Don't be stalking anyone. But what is not okay, what is not okay is for you to be miserable now because you aren't dating and to postpone your happiness until you meet someone. That is an incredible waste of your life and you're certain to regret it. I have for you two secrets to happiness that you can write down if you want to. Two secrets of happiness that you need to know. Here's the first one. If you're not happy now... You will not be happy when you're married. One person is incapable of feeling all the emptiness that is in your life. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a person to tell them, I'm not happy and I'm marrying you and you're responsible for making me happy. That's a lot of pressure. If you want to be happy in a relationship, you first have to learn how to be happy by yourself and with yourself. So that's the first secret to happiness, that if you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy in a relationship. The second secret to happiness is you will never have a greater opportunity in your life to be happy than right now. Whether you're dating someone, whether you're married, or whether there's no one in your life right now, God has something great, His best waiting for you today. Do not allow your happiness to depend on another person, on something external to yourself, because you need to trust God instead for that. You might be thinking right now, Carrick, why in the world should I be listening to you? You just told me that you've been married for five years. How do you know how I feel right now? How can I trust you with what you're saying? And the answer is, you can't. You can't trust me. But I will tell you someone you can trust. Look at our next verse. It's Proverbs 3, 5. Let's read this verse out loud together. It says this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. You see, God wants you to trust Him with every part of your life. And that includes your dating life. God says, don't force it or fret over finding the right person. Instead, trust me. I love you more than any person possibly could. Trusting God in our search for a soulmate is hard. So in a minute, I'm going to be back, and I'm going to talk about four principles, four guidelines from the Bible for a healthy dating relationship. And hopefully these principles will help you and guide you in finding Mr. or Mrs. Right. 
But right now, as we enter this time of worship, I want you to decide consciously to give God responsibility for this area in your life. Trust God with your dating life. Trust that God wants the very best for your life, whether you're single or whether you're married. The Bible doesn't talk very much specifically about dating. But there are some guidelines that the Bible gives us that are very relevant to your dating life. God wants us to go about dating in the right way so that we will be successful in finding the right person. Well, how do we do that? Take a look at our next verse. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. No matter what you're doing, whether you're playing, you're working, you're studying, or even dating, God wants you to do it all for His glory. So here are four biblical guidelines that will help you honor God. Number one, set my standards high. Set my standards high. Here we're talking about even before the first date. It's important to set your standards high as to who you will go out with. Without standards, you can put yourself in uncomfortable situations or in situations where you might compromise your standards or even a situation where you allow yourself to fall in love with the wrong person, Mr. or Mrs. Wrong. Well, here are two simple questions of standard that you need to ask before you even begin dating a person. These will help you keep your standards high. Here's the first question. Ask, is he or she a person of faith? Is he or she a person of faith? Now, this is a difficult question, and it's a controversial one, too. You may be a believer here today in a relationship with someone who's not a believer, or vice versa. You may be a person here today who's not a believer, and you're in a relationship with a believer. But the Bible is clear that it's a difficult proposition for a believer to marry someone who isn't a person of faith. Look at our next verse. 2 Corinthians 6.14a says, Don't become partners with those who reject God. You see, the danger when we begin dating someone is that we cannot always control who we fall in love with. And when you date someone who isn't a believer, there's a good possibility that you could fall in love with them and then over time have a desire to marry them and then life can become confusing. You know, I know many people who have tried missionary dating, if you know what I mean, the idea that if I date someone long enough that they will become a believer. But it seldom happens. Often, the person who isn't a believer has a detrimental effect on the faith of the person who is a believer. It's often the Christian who ends up compromising beliefs and standards in order to make the relationship work. Not only that, but it can lead to conflict. How will a couple spend their time and prioritize issues and make decisions when they are married? How will the children be raised? Will you make that decision to go to church all by yourself? Will you decide to have a spouse who won't read the Bible with you and who you cannot pray with? Honestly, it's hard for a marriage to make it when one person is a follower of Christ and one person isn't. Now, if you're married to an unbeliever, if you've fallen in love with an unbeliever, I'm not saying that the situation is hopeless or you should back out. I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But I am saying is that it will be difficult. And this is a tough question, and it's best that you ask it before you decide to go out with someone. Is he or she a person of faith? The second question is this. second question of standard. Is he or she a person of integrity? Is he or she a person of integrity? You see, a person can claim to be a Christian, 
without being a person of integrity. Is the person I want to date honest? Do they do what they say? Odds are, if they're not honest with other people, they're not going to be honest with you. Is this person that, you, that I want to go out with, are they faithful? Because odds are, if they're not faithful with other people in their life, they're not going to be faithful with you. Does this person treat others well? Because odds are, if they don't treat other people well, they're not going to treat you well. Is this person a person of integrity? Look at our next verse. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, how can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? Don't settle. I want you to write that in your notes in big capital letters. Don't settle. Too many people compromise their standards by dating out of insecurity or fear. They settle or compromise on who they will go out with because they're afraid if they let this person go, there might not be someone else that comes along. But I've yet to meet someone who settled in their dating relationships, who lowered their standards for who they would go out with because of insecurity or fear, who didn't live to regret it. It later brought deep disappointment into their lives because you will always regret it if you lower your standards. Is he or she a person of faith? Is he or she a person of integrity? Ask these two questions before you begin to date anyone and don't settle for anyone. You're too good for that. Go ahead and decide today. Make your decision today that you're not going to settle, but instead you're going to wait for God's best. All right. That first, that first guideline had to do with before you begin dating someone. It was a question of standards, setting your standards high. The next three guidelines are for after you begin dating a person. The second guideline for healthy dating is to agree on physical boundaries. Agree on physical boundaries. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here tonight because Pastor Nelson did a great job dealing with temptation, including sexual temptation, last week. And also, uh, a couple of months ago, we did a series called Sex and the City where we talked about God's plan for sex uh, within the context of marriage. And if uh, you want to pick that up, we have copies of that series, that four-part series, at the resource table in the back, and you can pick one of those up on your way out. That was our Sex and the City series from February. But if you want to find the person that God has for you, and if you want to honor God in your dating relationships, then you have to honor God in your physical relationship and date someone who will do the same. And this means saving sex for marriage. Look at our next verse. It's Romans 6.13, and it says this. Do not let any part of your bodies become tools used for sinning, but give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, For you are back from death, and you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for His good purposes. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, you know what? I am going to wait for marriage before I have sex. But if you haven't agreed on some specific physical boundaries with the person you're dating, it's difficult not to cross that line. So here are three simple steps you need to take to establish physical boundaries in your dating relationship. Here's the first one. Be clear. Be clear. Know what your physical boundaries are and communicate them clearly to the person you're dating. Lay everything out on the table from the very beginning. Share with the other person what you will and will not do in in the physical part of your relationship. Be very clear. You see, if the other person isn't sure what your physical boundaries are, one of two things is going to happen. 
One, because they don't know your boundaries, they're going to try to cross them. And if you, if you say no, they're not going to understand why. They're going to feel rejected. They're going to have their feelings hurt because you weren't up front with them from the very beginning. Or two, when they don't know what your physical boundaries are, they're going to cross that line and pressure you to do something that you didn't want to do, and you're going to give in. And they're going to have done that because they didn't know what your boundaries were. Be clear. If you're dating, have this conversation concerning this area. Communicate. Secondly, first is be clear. Secondly, be definite. Be definite. Do not compromise or cave in on the boundaries that you set, no matter what. Don't say, okay, I'll do it just this once. If the person you're dating is pressuring you to do something that you communicated to them clearly that you do not want to do, and they are saying you need to compromise your standards if you want to continue the relationship with them or if you want to show that you love them, I guarantee you that this person does not care for you. They don't respect you. This isn't Mr. or Mrs. Wright. If they don't respect you enough to respect your boundaries, then I promise you they're not Mr. or Mrs. Right. So communicate your physical boundaries of your relationship clearly and then be definite with them. Finally, play it safe. Be safe. That's the third fill-in. Be safe. Now, I had Jeff volunteer. He's going to be a volunteer for me, so he's going to come up on stage right now. To, to talk about this last point of being safe. And I asked him to come up on stage and share with us an example of a time in his relationships when he crossed the physical boundary line. Uh, I'm just kidding. I didn't ask him to do that. <laughs> got, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to Jeff. <laughs> you were a little worried there, weren't you? <laughs> I saw him thinking. I didn't remember him asking me that. All right. All right. Come over here, Jeff. All right. Let's pretend... That this line, this piece of tape that I put on stage, is the line that Jeff set in his physical relationship for his significant other. And he said, I am not going to cross this line. So, Jeff, I want you to step up to that line right on the edge, and I want you to be determined not to cross that line. Are you determined? All right, I need a look of determination on your face so we know that you're determined. All right, he's determined not to cross that line, all right? And I'm going to stand behind him, and I'm going to push with my left hand rather softly as he's determined not to go across that line. (laughs) <laughs> he tried, but he couldn't do it. All right, come back and try again. I think you can do better the second time. Standing right up next to the line, I want you to prevent me from pushing you over. He's a big guy. He's taller than I am. Let's see what happens. He's trying, but you can't do it, right? So what I want you to do right now is step up to this line. Now take one step back. Take one step without hitting the... Uh, take another step back without hitting the keyboard. All right. Now he's put some space between him and the boundary that he set in his physical relationship. Now, if I stand behind him now and push, even if he goes forward, he still doesn't cross the line. All right. Give Jeff a hand for being a volunteer up here. Thank you, Jeff. You see... Personally, I'm not very good with heights. If I'm on top of a building or if I'm next to a cliff, unless there's a very strong guardrail, I'm not walking up to the edge because I realize if I slip or if I trip or if someone pushes me, then I'm going over the edge. I always keep my distance because I'm afraid of heights. In case I slip, trip, or someone pushes me, I'm not going to go off the edge. And it's the same with our physical boundaries as Jeff showed. Once you set your boundaries, keep plenty of space between you and that line. Don't even approach it. Because if you approach that line enough times, you're eventually going to trip, fall, or even leap across it. And then it becomes easier to cross that line with each time. 
You see, there's certain things that we can do in a dating relationship that catapult us over the physical boundaries that we set. For some of us, it could be heavy kissing. For some of us, it could be too much physical contact or touching. For some of us, it could be something as innocent as, as having a boyfriend or girlfriend sleep over on the couch. Or it could be too much time alone, a dark room with music, a hickey party. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But you need to consider what things in your relationship force you to cross that physical boundary line. One of the most... You're laughing about the hickey party, I know. All right. One of the most common reasons people cross the physical boundaries that they set is too much alcohol. And this is true. People make more mistakes with sex because of alcohol. Look at our next verse. And this is our memory verse for this week. And we have a scripture memory card on the resource table that you can pick up as you leave. And I think a lot of us probably need to take this card with us when we leave tonight. So let's read this verse out loud together since it's our memory verse for the week. It says this. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. God wants you to consider what His will is for your life and for your relationships. He wants you to think clearly about what you're doing in your relationship at all times. And I want you to listen to me clearly here. You cannot be drunk and think clearly at the same time. You cannot be drunk and give God control of your life at the same time. So many people have shared with me mistakes that they have made and regretted because they drank too much and lost control. Oh, I didn't want to sleep with him, but I was drunk and I lost control. Yeah, you did that because you weren't in control because you were drunk. So if you want to experience the best possible relationship, you have to be responsible with alcohol so that you can give God control of your life. To be in a healthy dating relationship, first set your standards high, agree to the physical boundaries, and progress patiently. Don't force or push your dating relationship forward faster than it should be moving. Now, I'm not setting a timeline for anyone. I'm not telling you how fast you should move forward in your dating relationship. That varies from couple to couple. What I am saying is, wait patiently on God's timing. Look at our next verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. It says, love is patient. You see, many people move, move too fast to get serious because they have a fear of losing that person. But l- real love is patient and thinks about the other person first. I want you to think about this. Love never forces the issue. Selfishness, fear, insecurity, they force the issue. Love is always patient. Earlier, I asked you to consider two questions before you ever begin dating someone. Now, I have two questions for you to ask as you are dating someone, and they're two questions of progress. These will help you determine if you're progressing sufficiently in your relationship. They will also help you discover whether or not the person you're dating could be Mr. or Mrs. Wright. So here's the first question. Ask, is he or she a person I could marry? Is he or she a person I could marry? Now, this is a big question, but we need to be honest here. If you've been dating someone for a while and it's come to the point where you could get more serious, ask whether or not you could marry this person. If the answer is no, you should not take your relationship to the next level. In fact, you should consider ending that relationship. 
you also have to ask this question to be fair to the other person. I have a very good friend who was in a dating relationship for over two and a half years, and he was so serious with this girl. But this girl never had any intentions of taking it to the next level, of of becoming married. And when he wanted to take it to the next level, she told him, I don't think you're someone that I can marry. And this was after two and a half years. He was devastated. He had poured two and a half years of his life into this relationship. And she wasn't straightforward with him. Be honest with yourself and with the person you're dating. Is this a person that I could marry? Here's the second question. Is he or she a person with whom I could grow? Is he or she a person with whom I could grow? The person you're with, who you could possibly marry, should make you a better person, not a person you like less. So ask the question, are we growing together, individually, as a couple, spiritually, emotionally? Are you growing in your faith? As a couple, is your love growing deeper for each other and affecting the people around you positively? If you are not, that's a big red flag that there is something wrong. Also, pay attention to the people in your life who you trust, who who care about you. Do they think you are a better person while you're in this relationship, or do they think that there's something wrong? Ask the people around you that you trust. Look at our next verse, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. It says, And may the Lord make your love grow and overflow to each other and to everyone else. Underline those two words, grow and and overflow. If this is not a picture of where your relationship is going, if you're not growing together and, into, and in your love for God and, and in your love for those around you and each other, then you need to stop, take a step, step back, and reevaluate. Ask. This is a question you can ask even if you're married. If you're married and you're not growing in your relationship with your spouse and in your relationship with God, stop, take a step back, and ask, What do we need to do? You can't back out of the relationship then, but ask, what do we need to do so that we can grow together? And if you're dating someone and you're not growing in your love for each other and your love for others and in your relationship with God, you need to reevaluate and ask, is this the person I should be with? So if you want your relationship to progress, ask yourself, is this a person I could marry? Is this a person I could grow with? Set your standards high. Agree on your physical boundaries, progress patiently, and the final biblical guideline for your dating relationship is this. Make God the first love of my life. Make God the first love of my life. Don't give God second place in your life. Make God the first love of your life. Let's read this next verse out loud together. Matthew 6.33, it says this together. God will give you everything you need from day to day if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. Underline those two words, first place. Jesus promises here that if you put God first in your life, that he will take care of you. He will give you everything that you need. He will make sure that you are experiencing his best for your life. That is God's promise to you. One big mistake that we often make is when we want another person more than we want God. We replace God in our life with that other person. Or better yet, we replace God in our life with the desire we have for another person who hasn't even entered our life yet. 
And we set, when we do that, we set our relationships up for failure because that person cannot possibly fulfill God's role in my life. That person cannot possibly fulfill all the needs that I have because this is what we do. We say, all right, you're in God's place now. I have all this emptiness, all this unhappiness, and I want you to fix it. And we tell this to this person that we put in first place in our life. And that person is incapable of fulfilling all of your needs. And when they fail, when they let you down, you blame it on them. And then you say, you know what? I'm dating or I'm married to the wrong person. And you know what? It's not their fault. It's your fault because you put them in God's place in your life. You set your relationships up for failure. You and I, whether or not we're married, whether we're dating, whether we're hoping to date, we need to make sure that God is the first love of our life. I want you to take a moment, and in your message notes, I want you to draw a triangle. Just take a second and draw a small triangle somewhere in your message notes. And if if you're not sure, a triangle should have three points. Just making sure. So take a moment and draw a triangle. On the bottom left corner of that triangle, I want you to write your name. Write your name on the bottom left corner. On the bottom right corner of that triangle, I want you to write the name of the person you're dating, the name of the person you're married to, or a big question mark if you don't know who that person could be. And then at the top point of that triangle, I want you to write God's name. Write God at the top of that triangle. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to draw an arrow from your name on the bottom left corner pointing up towards God at the top point. Then I want you to draw another arrow from the name of the other person or question mark on the other side. I want you to draw that up pointing to God. And I want you to notice that as you and that other person grow closer to God, you automatically grow closer to one another. Because if God is in the center of a relationship, if God is number one in first place in both people's life in a relationship, as they grow closer to God, they're going to grow closer to each other. But I also want you to notice this. If you draw an arrow under your name away from God and under the other person's name and away from God, that the further both of you grow from God, the further you also grow from each other. But another thing you need to notice is the the furthest point you can grow from that other person is if one of you is growing towards God and one of you is growing away from God. That is the furthest point. That is the furthest you can grow from the person you're in a relationship with. That's why it's so important to ask the question, is this person a person of faith? Is this person someone that I can grow with? Because the closer you grow to God, the closer you grow to each other. God's presence in your relationship will strengthen your relationship. And you won't know what real love is until God is the first love of your life. You don't believe me? Well, I want to share an illustration with you. I shared before, but... If I wanted to go out today and I wanted to buy a Rolex watch and I went out on the street, I would be in trouble. I would be very easily duped because I cannot tell the difference between a real Rolex watch and one of those fake $10 imitations that they sell on the side of the street, right? You've seen those. I can't tell the difference between the two. I would have a problem. Someone could dupe me and I could pay a lot of money for a really cheap one. Why why can't I tell the difference? The reason is... Because I've never had a real Rolex. I've never seen or felt what a real Rolex looks or feels like. I don't know what it is. And since I haven't seen the real thing, the genuine article, I couldn't tell the difference between a fake and the real thing. 
And it's the same thing in our love lives. Until we experience real love, God's unconditional, unending, unselfish, unconditional love, until we know what real love is because we've experienced it from God, we cannot, we're incapable of recognizing what real love is in other people. We'll go out and, and we may think we see love, but we don't know. We don't know if it's, the fake, if it's a fake love or if it's the real thing because we don't know what real love looks like until we've experienced it from God. You will be unable to recognize Mr. or Mrs. Wright in your life until you first experience what real love is from God so you can recognize it in someone else. How do I make sure that God is the first love of my life? Well, there are a lot of ways, and we talk about them all the time. We talk about attending church. We talk about being in a growth group, about spending time with God every day and, and reading the Bible and in prayer. And that's why we, if you look in your message notes at the bottom, that's why we, we ask you to make these four commitments during God on Film. Look for God intentionally by attending each Sunday, by joining a growth group, by praying and reading the daily devotion, by inviting your friends to the, to the journey. We ask you to do that because those are ways to give God first place in your life. But today, the number one way that you can make God the first love of your life is to trust Him with your love life. Trust Him enough that you try to honor Him in your search for your soulmate, in your dating relationship, and even in your marriage. I want you to listen to me for a second. We sabotage our relationships when we do not give God first place, when we do not make God the, the first love of our lives. We settle for second best when we don't set our standards high. We damage the long-term relationships for short-term pleasure when we don't agree on physical boundaries. And we inevitably make the wrong choices when we don't progress patiently. But no matter how good we do on the first three, we can never experience real love until God becomes the first love of our life. Let's read this last verse together. It's from Jeremiah 29:11. Let's read it together. It says this, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future." Don't trade away the best that God has for you by not trusting him with this area of your life. Because whatever his plans are for your life, I guarantee you, I promise you, they are for your good. I promise you, they are for your very best. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and, and close our, our eyes. God, we thank you for your word. It's so relevant to our lives. Thank you for caring about what happens to us and about our relationships. And God, all of us here today... We're in, in one of three uh, states. We're, we're in one of three situations. We're either married, we're either dating, or we're either looking for someone. God, my sincere prayer today is that we will trust you with this area of our lives, no matter where we are. It's hard to find that right person. Oftentimes we feel lonely or we feel rejected, but your promise is never to leave us and never to desert us and never to reject us. Help us to give you first place in this area of our lives. And Father, if there's someone here tonight who has never experienced your incredible, unconditional love, the kind of love that doesn't depend on outside circumstances or on the whims of imperfect people, I pray that they might open up their lives today to your life-changing love 
for the very first time. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.